listening to On The Road, the number one Aussie trucking podcast made especially for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies and proudly brought to you by Seeing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. Welcome back to On The Road. We've got some great interviews for you on this week's show. First up, we chat with James Graham, editor of the Big Rigs newspaper, and hear all about the second coming of this much-loved publication. Following that, after numerous requests from listeners asking us to do a piece on the legendary Razorback blockade back in the 70s, we're sharing an interview Mike did a couple of months back with Barry Grimson, one of the major driving forces, pun intended, behind that iconic event. A little later in the show, in our regular Something to Talk About segment, you'll hear the chat Mike had live on air last Saturday morning with Chris Smith on Radio 2GB. All that, plus the news and more, so let's get the show on the road. Hey everybody, Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you. We take it to the streets with our man Mike as he goes roving with his roving Mike to ask you to name your favourite roadhouse and why you choose to stop there on a regular basis. Here's what you had to say. You're on the way down to Melbourne, Dan. Where do you stop? I stop at Yaroa Road uh, Roadhouse, the shell there. It brings back a lot of memories, that place. All my trips down the highway, uh, always stop there. I lost my wallet there once. I ended up getting it back by mm-hmm. some good Samaritans in the area. It was unbelievable. All my money was still in there. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's the shell at Yarrawa, mate. That's your favourite roadhouse. That's the one. Right, good yeah. on you. G'day, I'm Darren from Tassie, over here just uh, collecting some uh, bulk product out of Bathurst. Um, yeah, on my way back down uh, the Hume, jump back on the boat and um, head under Tassie. Right, mate, what's your favourite roadhouse while you're over in the real world? Uh, <laughs> normally don't mind stopping at Barnawatha there, BP Barney Logic Centre. Not too bad, plenty of room, get out the back nice and quiet. Good feed out there too. Yeah, no, it's good, it's good. Yeah, you get it in your own room there. I'm Guy. I drive all around Victoria. What's the best place to have a feed, mate? Oh, Camper Down BP. They look after me there. <laughs> What's your favourite roadhouse, Scott? Where do you stop at? Oh, I don't mind the Caltex here at Gundy. It's pretty good. G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com.
G'day, it's Mike, and today we're on the road with James Graham, editor of Big Rigs Newspaper. They've just had a bit of a resurrection. They've done a bit of a Lazarus and come back to us from oblivion, thanks to Prime Media. So I thought I'd give them a ring and we'd find out what's changed. How are you, James? Oh, I'm great, thanks, Mike. Yeah, like you say, it's great to be back. Yes, we have risen from the dead after News Corp kicked us to the curb. But uh, yeah, we're back out there, back on the road. It's good to be back. Yeah, well, I managed to snag myself an issue there the other day and was delighted to see the paper looks pretty much the same as it did before. So has there been much change, mate? Well, it's exactly the same format. We've got a better paper stock. It's a better quality paper. And we're part of a very large, experienced publishing house out of Melbourne, like you mentioned, Prime Creative Media, and have to give a big shout-out there to John Murphy, the CEO, for picking us up. And there's a few other transport titles within that stable as well. Mark said that the listeners might be familiar with Prime Mover, Diesel, Trailer Magazine. So, yeah, we've got a lot of transport stable mates, if you like. Yeah. Pretty much the same team, although I have got a new writer in the stable, ex-Trailer Magazine editor. So that's good to have that experience on board. Danielle Gulachi is her name. Okay. The team is pretty much the same, same excellent roster of contributors such as yourself who <laughs> who appears very prominently, I must say, in this first edition. Yeah, I'm going to just add the feature writer to my CV now, mate. I think you should. <laughs> and it's going absolutely gangbusters online, I must say, that story since we posted, getting a lot of positive feedback. So, well done. No, thanks very much. Keep them coming. There was a lot in that. It's pretty much from the heart, all that sort of stuff, and that's what I'm going to be talking to Glenn Stirl about when we go down to the inquiry. So it wasn't a hard thing to write, and I noticed that you, you did edit a bit, but it wasn't too bad at all, so that was good. Yeah, no, it was great, mate. It was great. You certainly touched on some great topics, so if the listeners haven't got a copy, uh, well, they can't get a copy because by now, by the time they hear this, I would imagine they're quite hard to grab. Just go on to bigrigs.com.au, click on the digital edition tab, and she's all there from cover to cover. All that online content seems as though it's gone a little bit smoother this time. I was just having a bit of a flick through the homepage and everything there before. But I did notice that you did have a little bit of an issue there. My browser coughed up something that said, might not be big rigs. I know, oh, okay. Might be something for your tech guys to look at. Yeah, we had some teething issues. I mean, with News Corp, for some reason, that we're still not sure about, did not give us any files whatsoever. So we had to start completely from scratch build a new site so yeah we had a few hurdles but we're up and running now everything should be running smoothly and if it's not do let me know editor at bigrigs.com.au is the email for that and any other story ideas we're out uh, every two weeks free as usual around the usual outlets i hope so if anyone's not finding a copy or wants to get a copy just drop me an email so you've just finished the second edition what's news in the second edition mate can you give us a sneak peek Well, yeah, look, I can. I can. Look, one of the topics that really struck a chord with me was mentioned Glenn Stirl before, and he he brought up a really hot topic around the ongoing issue of how the media covers trucking. And he's used a a particular case, an accident in Sydney, uh, where an owner-operator was completely innocent. But if you've watched the Seven News, of course, it makes him look like he was the guilty party. And Glenn still just, you know, had enough and he's written off a letter to the authority who polices such things and said, hey, look, enough is enough. We've got to do something about this. 
Yeah. Truckies are getting a bashing. And I just think that's something that we should, as an industry, have a good look at as well. Perhaps there's something we can do. Maybe we can draw up some sort of policy, some sort of guidelines. Because as you well know, nine times out of ten, the mainstream media just put the boot in every chance they can get. So that's one story. And also, the other hot topic at this weekend in Sydney was the protests around the North Connects toll prices. Yeah. And for those that don't live in Sydney, it's a nine-kilometre tunnel that's been on the drawing board for quite some time, but it's due to open sometime this year, they tell us. What is it, Mike? $23? Yeah, $23.70 one way. Yes. Keeps going up. Well, they reckon it's going to go up 1% before it even opens, mate. $23.73 actually is the correct number. That's it, yeah. More to the point, we've got the $194 fine for not going through the tunnel. That's right. That's the one that amuses me. And the thing about it is it's all supposed to be for our safety and to help us save money on fuel from the stop-start driving up Pennanil's Road. And look, I agree, Pennanil's Road's been a nightmare for the whole time, but I don't see that you're going to get a saving in safety and fuel at 2 o'clock in the morning. Why should you have to use that tunnel at 2 o'clock in the morning? That's a good point. I personally think it's just completely unfair, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. It doesn't work for the truckies. They work for the shareholders. They built this thing for the shareholders. Of course, mate. Well, when I did the maths on it, it's $50 million a year minimum. Right. Just out of that tunnel. $50 million a year added to the transport bill for Sydney. I mean, you've only got to look at the Raffaro brothers and their bills for tolls for two months, 47000 in April and another 55000 in June just for tolls. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And the really sad thing is they helped to build the bloody thing. And now, yeah. like they say, they're digging their own grave in some ways. Well, you know, work's work. But at the same time, the TWU, I hate to say it, but for the moment I agree with the TWU. That's a scary thought. <laughs> yeah. But they're saying that they want a moratorium on the tolls for 12 months. Well, I would personally say that I want a moratorium on the tolls or at least the toll capped at even, say, $10, a token amount. Because the amount we pay in registrations, the amount we pay in insurance, and if you're required to use that road, I just cannot see how that's fair. And if it's about safety, if it's really about safety, then I've got this to say to Gladys Berejiklian, make it usable. The whole toll story is the same. The M7, you go down there any time in the afternoon after 1 o'clock southbound, it's a car park. Mm. You go up there before 9 o'clock in the morning, it's a car park between Preston's and Elizabeth Road Hill. It's the same. It's predictable. And we're forced to be on it. And the amount of money that guys have got to spend to go around these tolls just gets added to the bill. And I do believe that people really should have a problem with it. No one's getting any cash back on this. It's not like the M5. You're not getting any cash back. That's right. I also wonder what sort of consultation they really did with the industry before they flagged us with this ridiculous toll. Mm. And what did the feedback did they get back that made them think it's okay to just whack that $23 on 24-7 mm. without introducing a fairer scale, like you said? But it's all over the place now. It's Mount Cravat, Capelavar Road in Brisbane. You can't use that. It's the second range crossing. You've got to use that. So that's the Logan Motorway and the second range crossing that you have to use. Here, it's the tunnel that you have to use unless you're a dangerous goods vehicle because they're not telling anyone that dangerous goods vehicles and oversized vehicles aren't allowed to use it. Obviously, oversized vehicles, if they're too tall, can't go up there. And there's this stupid keep left in the right-hand lane rules. There are just so many rules that we've got that are applied directly to us that directly affect the way we do our business and how much that costs people. I am amazed that our associations aren't up in arms and it's deathly silence, and it annoys the heck out of me. Well, look, it does beg the question, 
who asked the tough questions and is this just another reflection of the fact trucking's got too many organisations and they're not rowing in the same direction? Well. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. TWU, I think, has got it right here. They are being vocal. They've got themselves on the 6 o'clock news mm. and that's the win. And if we all gather together and protest the right way, they've got to take notice. We'll stay on this issue. We'll keep reporting it. But unless we're a collective force, I'm not sure if anything's going to result. Yeah, well, this is the thing, isn't it, James? Trouble with it is we're a little bit fragmented and that thing's sort of coming out more and more. It is, yeah. We're divided and that's the way the authorities like it, I think. But great to talk to you, mate. Great to catch up. And I'd like to stay in touch with you regularly for On The Road because you're the man that gets the news first. That'd be great, yeah. You just want to give us a shout-out with your contact details again for the listeners? Yes, uh, do drop me an email on editor at bigrigs.com.au all one word, .com.au. be great to hear from the listeners on everything and anything. And check out the webpage, bigrigs.com.au. Thanks, James. You have a good weekend, mate. Thanks, Mike. Good talking to you. See ya. Bye. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, they've discovered how Seeing Machines Guardian is scientifically proven to reduce fatigue events by more than 90%. To find out more about how Seeing Machines Guardian can provide proven assistance in safeguarding your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly your drivers visit the website at www.seeingmachines.com or give them a call on 02-6103-4700 for more information. Today on the podcast, Barry Grimson joins me now. I don't know how to describe Barry, really. He's been in the transport industry for many, many years. He's an inductee in the Road Transport Hall of Fame in Australia. He was one of the six guys who started the blockade at Razorback. He really is a very knowledgeable man. He's seen him come and he's seen him go, and he's got a lot of insight on road transport and the rights of the workers. I interviewed Barry for my article in Big Rigs about the 40th anniversary of Razorback last year. He's been a great friend, look up to him a lot, and I thank him for joining me on the podcast today. Barry, you've been around for a long time. You had your role in the Razorback blockade back all those years ago, and you're still driving around today. You've been an owner-driver, you've been a company driver, you've seen the technology change to the point now where you and I both have got some of the latest technology in our trucks to monitor fatigue and all that sort of stuff. That's right. And so back in the day of Razorback, let me see if I can remember the names, there was you and there was Colin Bird and there was Spencer Watling and what was the other fellow's name? I can't remember. Ted Stevens. That's right. There was Ted and there was another bloke. And Jackie Hibbert. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Just before we go any further, there's five names up there. I always had issue with that because yep. from day one, another bloke called Carl Goodfella, yep. he stood side by side with us and came into all the meetings with the government and the police and all that sort of thing. So Carl was part of it all. How come his name isn't mentioned in the same breath as everyone else then? Well, there's five of us blocked the road mm. and our biggest issue 
when we blocked the road was that they were sending the uh, trucks around from the bottom of Razorback around the Menangle Road to Picton, so there was no effect, so we had to close that road. This is only um, the hours after it. Yep. So we went down the bottom of Razorback where the police had their roadblocks and them around there and Carl Goodfellow come along and I jumped up on his J-step and asked him would he be interested in blocking that road and he didn't think twice about it. He just said, yeah, so we had blocked that road. And once that road was blocked, well, we'd achieved maybe what we set out to do is block main artillery. Yeah. From then on, Carl was with us everywhere. So the question that most people have, I mean, you've heard yourself, people saying mateship in the industry today isn't what it was back then. And you guys, obviously, you all knew each other fairly well. Were you all mates beforehand? Carl Bird and I were mates. Spencer and I, well, yeah, I suppose you could say mates. Spencer and I were mates. Yeah. Jackie Hibbert and Ted Stevens, I knew on the road as, as mates to yell out on the CB or whatever it may be. And Carl the same. Carl wasn't really a mate as such, but yeah, I used to yell out to him on CB. So you are all known to each other for a while beforehand. It wasn't as if you know, five minutes before it all happened, you thought, oh, well, let's bugger this. We've had a gutful of this road tax business. Let's block the road. It wasn't like that, was it? No, that's right. Yeah, you could say, mate, I suppose, yeah. So in the hours leading up to it, obviously, you'd made the decision that this was what you were going to do. And you had your own truck at that stage, didn't you? Of course you did. So I've had money invested in a truck myself, and these days you'd have to really think twice about doing what you blokes did. Did you think about what the consequences might be before you did it? Like, did you have a discussion and said, oh, shit, what happens if we do this? What are the cops going to do? What do we expect that they're going to do? Or did you just say, bugger it? I personally had a bit of a think about it because probably before I owned my own truck, I was involved in not as massive, but things similar. Mm. So in effect, I did think about the consequences and I probably knew what the consequences would be, but you were talking about mateship before, Mm. only for mateship. The ultimate thing would have been probably they would have bulldozed the trucks off the road, but because there was mateship in them days, as you spoke about, and blokes with a mutual interest on a subject that had been discussed for bloody 30 years. So when the road was actually blocked, everyone come together. I mean, you're going back into the days of trade union strength, but Mm. us blokes were so segregated on the road that we never got together to have meetings and votes and all that sort of thing because... uh, (laughs) You had to stop blokes to do that. That was our thought, that you had to stop blokes to do that. And once we did stop it, that was exactly what happened. Yeah. There wasn't always the same level of camaraderie, though. Some of the stories I'd read about when I was doing my research for the bit I did there in Big Rigs on the anniversary, there were a few fellas that were pretty anti, weren't there? Yeah, it's like there was a show on TV once called The Naked City, and there's a million stories in The Naked City. This is but one of them. So there was a million stories floating around about who was for and who was against, and I appreciate the people who were against, but the greater majority, as we saw once the road was blocked, that people voluntarily blocked road in other centres, well, the vast majority thought, yeah, we should do something, and I'm afraid that's always the way it goes and I feel sorry for the minority that maybe suffered consequences because of it I feel sorry for them but all I can say is that when they went back to work they didn't keep paying road tax and they didn't keep carbon 36 tonne they didn't keep doing 90 kilometres an hour so in hindsight you've got to say though everything that you did you thought was worthwhile in the finish and everyone benefited from it well as I just said to you before it had been discussed over years and years and years back to my father's time mm. so yeah you haven't always got to have your hand up to know what a person thinks yeah. and every time we sat in a restaurant as we did in them days 
you know, if you guys pull up on the side of the road or on the CB or before CB even, when a group of blokes got together, that was a subject being discussed and there was never anyone that was against it. Yeah. If you can't pick the mood, well, there's something wrong. I'm not, I'm not very clever, but <laughs> you can pick the mood of blokes. And we were quite confident that everyone would just pull up, which they did, you know. Neville Rand was pretty unhappy with you all, though, wasn't he? Yeah, Nifty was pretty unhappy. He was unhappy because the trade union, which I was the only one who wanted the trade union involved, the Transport Workers Union, he was more unhappy that we didn't do it along responsible lines. That was his biggest issue, and you'll probably find that the other blokes will disagree, but I've always been involved in a lot of transport union issues, and I know the way unions work. Our union is the best union of the lot of them, like there's less disruption in the transport business than what there is in any other business. So we have a responsible union. I wanted them involved. The mere reason I wanted them involved was I knew about the after-reflect, about negotiating, because that was one issue, like... Then days of transport had a whole heap of issues and you had to keep up to date with everything that was going on. Yeah, so things have changed a lot in the last 40 years and, and you've been working in the industry the whole time. So if you look to today, do you see that some of those issues that existed then, do you think that they're still issues? The very next day. Yeah. You know, you go in with 95 issues, mm. if you get 45 of them okay, well, you've done all right but the other 45 are still hanging. And the further we went with the blockade, every day something else or someone, as they were getting agitated also, and I don't blame them, you know, that every day when we had our meetings, we had a meeting every morning, there'd be someone with another issue, but like our head was full of trying to deal with what we're dealing with. Yeah, of course, it's the same in every industry or every walk of life. You fix something up and there's something else bugged, you know? Well, there's been a go at a blockade since then as well. Some fellas there parked a couple of trucks across the road at Gundagai there one night. Remember that? Yeah. Why didn't that take off, you think? Well, probably because over a period of a couple of months, they might have been planning it, and just a few of them. But as I said to you, like, this issue went on for so many years that when it happened, everyone was aware you wouldn't have had to go and say to blokes, oh, we've blocked the road because of road tax, because they knew the whisper was up and down the road, up and down the road, and the coppers knew the copper was there waiting for us when we blocked the road. Yeah. It was no surprise to anyone. So the issues were publicised, and we felt they were publicised in a loud and clear manner, because I've got a mouth like Warragamba Dam, <laughs> Ted's got one like Warragamba Dam, and Bertie, God bless him, yeah. he had one like Warragamba Dam, so... We personally ourselves, for the sake of someone punching us in the mouth, we drove the issue hard for many, many years. You seem as though you've done a pretty good job with it anyway. I think the industry's a better place for what you guys did. And, you know, you're probably well aware that it was called the greatest act of insurrection since Eureka. So you've got your place in Australian history, mate. Yeah, I think the place in history was a pat on the back to all those that weren't vocal against us, that listened when we had a meeting, because tried to have a meeting responsibly and listened. And then I flew down to Yass and flew up to Mount Lambie and that and had meetings. And at the end of the meeting, I give everyone a right to say something. But as is always the case, people walked away and, you know, said things that they didn't say at the meeting. But the blokes who pulled up there and were, you know, willing to put their money where their mouth was, I think really the pat on the back should go to all the truck drivers over there, not just the five. But anyway, that's the way it is. And what you said is true. I've read the stories too. 
Look, Mike, I'll take a pat in the back. Yeah. But with me publicity, it was never the case for me because I was merely carrying on a legend that my father tried to do. He was always active in those sort of things. But I probably run across blokes that were willing to do what we did. You know, that's probably the greatest thing, you know. Yeah, well, my hat's off to you, mate. You certainly left your mark. Thank you very much. Righto, well, you take care of yourself. Keep the shiny side up, mate, and I'll see you when I'm looking at you. You too, good buddy. See you, mate. Ta-da. For more than 70 years, the name Pearlcraft has been synonymous with handmade pearl and marble finished steering wheels and gear shift knobs. Each and every Pearlcraft product is 100% handcrafted, keeping true to their motto of always work with pride, let quality be your guide. They can transform and enhance your current steering wheel or create a whole new wheel designed to suit your rig. Visit the Pearlcraft website at www.pearlcraft.com.au for more information about the complete range of Pearlcraft products and services. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Andy. How are you going, mate? Doing all right for an old fella, thank you. We've got a bit of news to talk about today, buddy. We sure do, mate. I'll tell you what, there is an absolute door slammer of a piece of news this morning, mate. Let's do it straight away. I believe there's a major player that's backed out of the Brisbane Truck Show, mate. Tell us more. Mate, Volvo have pulled the pin on the Brisbane Truck Show. Volvo are one of the biggest players in the truck show. They have one of the best displays. They bring a lot of things. They spend a hell of a lot of money. There are thoughts that these major players putting these displays on at the Brisbane Truck Show, by the time they do all the promotion, run all the events and all that sort of thing, northbound of a million dollars they spend to be there. The Brisbane Truck Show is the biggest thing in Australia as far as truck shows go. Everyone who's anyone is there. Mm. Packard is still saying that they're going to go. They wouldn't miss it. They're watching the situation, but they're saying they've got no reason not to go. Mercedes-Benz, Daimler Chrysler Mercedes, they're saying that they're still going. They wouldn't miss it for the world. Now, the reason why Volvo have pulled out is because of the uncertain environment with respect to the reactions of some of the governments on the COVID front. Mm-hmm. It's causing them to consider their plans and they've made a significant investment in other areas as well, particularly with the bushfire and all that. Volvo have done a lot of things in the charity space in the last 12 months or so. They donated a truck a Mac that was uh, painted up with flames. I'm sure everyone remembers it. It was donated and sponsored by Volvo and brought to the scene by Jimmy Barnes, who also endorsed the vehicle. And the funds from the sale of that truck were donated to the fire relief efforts earlier on in the year. Yeah. So Todd Hacking, who's the CEO of the Brisbane Truck Show and the organiser said the Heavy Vehicle Industry Association is always disappointed when a major exhibitor pulls out. Mm. It's happened before, and he understands that COVID has impacted the way that manufacturers are thinking about the truck show and and what they're going to do. And he's saying that the truck show floor is like a bucket of water. You pull out the spot and it's instantly filled by someone else. So he's obviously hoping someone else is going to jump into Volvo's spot. But for me, a truck manufacturer like Volvo Mac, who has such a large slice of the heavy vehicle market in Australia, not being at the biggest truck show, that's an important bit of news. It is indeed. Mike, we spoke with Senator Glenn Stirl last week and just recently he's spoken out about misleading television and media reports regarding accidents involving heavy vehicles. Glenn Stirl has spoken out about the 
TV coverage of news, in particular the coverage of Channel 7 of an accident that happened in New South Wales a while ago where a Victorian driver was basically blamed by Channel 7 for an accident that he was involved in. Now, it turns out that it wasn't the case. This driver had no part in the responsibility. He just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And unfortunately, the footage from the Channel 7 helicopter of that accident did nothing to clarify the situation. It was just simply glorification of an accident that had occurred and sort of responds to the voyeurism of people that just can't help looking at these things, no matter how bad they are. There was no one killed or seriously injured in this accident, but that didn't let the truth get in the way of a good story. So to quote Senator Stirl, he writes, not at any point did the report by Seven News Sydney attempt to say that the truck driver was not at fault. That's a direct quote from Senator Stirl in the piece published in Big Rigs. And so Glenn decided that these things need to be dealt with. He's ripped to Bridget Pair, the CEO of Free TV Australia, which produces industry standard policies, and he's asked her to review the report. Glenn believes that the incident is yet another clear breach of the commercial television industry code of practice, and he calls for the media to present factual material accurately and ensure that viewpoints are not misrepresented. He said that at no point did Channel 7 Sydney attempt to say the truck driver was not at fault, and that seems to be the course of the coverage of a lot of accidents involving heavy vehicles. In fact, sometimes the media, mainstream media, can't even identify correctly the class or type of vehicles involved. Yeah. Good call, Senator Stirl. Indeed. On a similar subject, mate, you've probably seen that dash cam footage from the cab of a truck that showed a, a very different story to the one the car driver was talking about in an accident in Sydney recently. I have, mate. That is just a cracker. There you've got this car come up the left-hand side of a large bonneted Kenworth truck, very similar to the one that I drive. Mm. And that car is in the blind spot there. The driver would have had no idea he was there. And he's put the indicator on and moved over and paid the price. Now, to me, this says a couple of things. It says, or it should say to every single driver of a heavy vehicle that a dash camera these days is a must-have. I certainly have one on mine. And a lot of the companies these days are also getting the cameras that point down the sides. Because let's face it, a dash camera does tell the story. It does. It removes all questions to what happened. And I'm afraid in this case, our car driver has tried to lie to his insurance company and he's made himself look like a bit of a wally into the bargain. Absolutely. All right, mate. Well, look, as always, it's been an absolute honour and privilege to serve alongside of you. (laughs) Let's do it all again next week, shall we? Oh, flattery will get you everywhere, mate. I might pay you in a pie this week. How would that go? Yeah, it sounds great. Thanks. Make sure it's steak and mushroom. (laughs) Steak and mushroom pie, mate. I'll send you one. On you, buddy. Have a great day. Thanks, Andy. Catch ya. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hello, I'm Quid, and I'll listen to On the Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow. I mentioned a little earlier about this protest by the TWU and various truckies uh, who were being funnelled through the North Connex, the new North Connex, to try and get the trucks off Pennant Hills Road. My good mate Mike, the Oz trucker, is on the right now. G'day there, Mike. How are you, Chris, mate? Long time. 
Yeah, long time. Well, we see each other off air, but we haven't been speaking on air for quite some time. Yeah. What, what, is the, what is the price of taking your truck through the North Connex and avoiding Pennant Hills Road? What are they charging? They're going to charge $23.73 at the moment for that privilege, mate. But the reality of it is that they're going to put an extra 1% per quarter on that. And it looks like it's going to be more than $23.73 before they even open it, mate. It's going to go up before they even open it. So 4% per year on top of that. That's right, mate. Yeah, every year. It's going to be over $50 million in Transurban's pocket a year. And you have to go through North Connex if you're over a certain weight, right? Yes. If you're a truck, a heavy commercial vehicle, you're going to have no choice. Unless, of course, the fact that they're not telling anyone is that trucks with dangerous goods and obviously trucks doing local deliveries will still be able to use Pennadil's Road. In fact, the dangerous goods trucks are required to. So that's all the fuel tankers, all the chemical trucks. Right. What's the answer, though? Because you know as well as I do, Pennadil's Road in Sydney was probably the worst, always full of trucks mm. and really difficult to manoeuvre. Oh, mate, it's a terrible piece of road. It's probably one of my least favourite pieces of road in the country. The answer is, mate, is if it's all about road safety... Sure, by all means, compel the trucks to go through the tunnel. Yeah. But don't charge them a stupid rate. I mean, Rafaro Brothers, the tipper guys, on the story that was on telly there the other night, two bills they put up and showed people. One was for 47000 the other one was for 55000 That's just for two months of toll bills for them. Whoa. Now, these guys helped build this tunnel, and that's their trucks. Now, if you've got no choice but to use that tunnel... That's the sort of bill that some companies are going to get. It's ridiculous. They've put these cameras up over Pendles Road now. So they take your picture and you're going to have no choice but to either pay the fine or use the tunnel. And the fine, mate, is going to be $194 a time. So we pay huge registrations. We pay fuel excise. They talk about a user pay systems, mate. The trucks pay, believe me. And in my mind... And the mind of Philip Minio, who's an owner-driver that's in the protest there today, mate, we're not not paying our share, if you follow what I'm saying. We do pay our share. Yeah. yeah. You'd reckon there'd be a little relief, especially at this time in our history, because we're trying to get people back on their feet, mm. not stop them from opening business. And with bills like the ones that you have just described, you've got to earn a big margin before you can even pay the road toll. Yeah, well, that's right. It ends up coming straight out of the customer's pocket. That's what happens with it. They pass these costs on. Yeah. So everything gets to everywhere by truck, Chris, as you well know, and sometimes people are going to end up paying a lot more than they think that they might. All right. Well, I made sure my listeners get uh, the other side of the view on this because, yes, yeah, great to get trucks off that Pennadils Road. It's a shocker. But yep. having said that, don't flog them to death. Good on you, Mike. Thank you very much for that. Thanks very much, Chris. You take care out there and I'll get you back in the passenger seat one day, mate. Get some more dust in your boots. Absolutely. Let's do it. Thanks, mate. Ta-da. Good on you, Mike, the Oz Trucker. That's On The Road Done and Dusted for another week, proudly brought to you by Seeing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. We hope you enjoyed listening to the show as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. There's more news and information available on our website, so why not pay us a visit at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au to stay up to date with all the latest in the big wide world of road transport. We're looking to roll out a new page on the website featuring a different driver each week, the rig they drive, the routes they take and more. 
If you'd like to be our featured driver of the week, send us your information and a photo of you and your truck to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. We welcome contributions from our listeners, so if you've got something to say, a suggestion to make, or just something to get off your chest, drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. That email address again, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Look out for the next All Singing, All Dancing episode of On The Road next Friday, and until then, play nice with each other, and most importantly, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be 100% in agreement with the views of guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.